0: We were in negotiations investing in real estate they're winning they're making money what's up everyone welcome to the real estate educators podcast where we provide the education you can build on i am your host kevin amolsh i am absolutely loving this podcast because we are helping real estate investors and real estate content creators so our objective here is to help as many real estate investors and influencers build their wealth. I have a fantastic guest with me. I know you're going to love this one today, y'all. And what I'm going to ask for, if you do enjoy it, please give us a follow, give us a five-star review, maybe share it with a friend. So introduce you to Jeff Kickle. I am so excited because we just had a brief conversation before I hit record that we're going to get back into. But I'm also excited because you're doing a lot of midterm rentals, and we haven't had anyone talk about that yet. I know that that's pretty attractive to people right now. You said the traveling nurse thing, yeah. Uh, so I want to get into that a little bit as well. But Jeff, so you've been in uh, in corporate world for over 20 years, trying to figure out how to get to your retirement. You coined the term Freedom Day, which we want to learn more about. But it took 20 years before you had your confidence to get out there, start. Start Starting Businesses. Does that sound right? Start Starting Businesses? I think so. I guess it is, right? <laughs> <laughs> Investing in real estate. So you're an author, you're an investor, you're an entrepreneur, and you're a thought leader. So Jeff, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, man. I appreciate it, uh, Kevin. It's it's just, it, it's going to be fun. I love talking about this stuff. And, and you know, we're talking about two of my passions, which is content creation and real estate. So this this works out perfectly.
0: Oh, this is perfect. So let's get into it. Like, Take us back. So you were 20 years in corporate America. I know a lot of people get stuck in that rut. Yeah. And you were trying to figure out how to get to retirement. And you were finding that maybe it's not as easy if you're if you're stuck in the corporate world. So so take me back and, and, and tell us how did you get into the real estate and investing world?
1: Well, I had it two worse. So I was in the corporate world working for other people but I've also been in the financial services industry in the corporate world for almost 30 years. So I, you know, I was brainwashed into the belief that the only solution is always, you know, let's, uh, let's put, you know, 10% of our income away or, you know, start investing, put 10% of your income away, work for 45 years, you know, downsize your house. Cause you realize you don't have enough money and wear black socks and sandals, have one car and then take one cruise per year. And you're going to do that for the next 30 years until you die, which, you know, I started to realize, and my main goal when I started was, well, you know what? I'm just going to follow that rule. And if I just do this and I do the math. By the time I turn age 55, I can be fully retired, and you know I'm just gonna go live my life then. Um, about 10, 15 years in, I realized, oh crap, it isn't working. There's no way in hell I'm gonna hit the numbers that I need to hit. And I started to realize that what I had been taught, now I still believe in investing in the stock market, I still believe in investing in options. I still trade options. I've done that for many, many years. But I realized that the missing piece to what we were taught was cash flow. And we're taught to amass assets. Well, the reality is, as a a financial advisor, we're mostly taught by people that are companies So, the vendors that teach us and the companies we work for are asset gatherers. They gather assets. So, they're like, let's, you know, we need you to save as much money as you possibly can. And then you can take out about 4% per year for the rest of your life. Well, the reality is you can never amass enough to live the life that you live today or even a better life than that. So that was kind of my aha moment, I guess. After you know, and and I'm not the brightest bulb in the package, so it took me 20 years to figure this out. But I had written my first book, and I was trying to figure out a way to market the book. So thought probably a podcast would be a good idea to do. And this was 10 years ago, so podcasts were just really kind of starting to take you know take off. And I was like, yeah before I do a podcast, I probably need to start listening to a couple of them because I'd never listened to a podcast before. So, I did what I would normally do. I'm like, oh, there's got to be a book about this. And so, I Googled a book and came up with a book by a guy named John Lee Dumas who was doing uh, the Entrepreneur on Fire podcast at the time. And it was the first ever seven-day-a-week podcast. He was doing a show every single day. And I was like, okay, well, let me listen to this thing. And I start listening to the podcast and I became obsessed because John at that time was interviewing a ton of people that were in the early stages of a lot of the internet, you know, marketing and stuff like that. So he was, I mean, some of these people were just at that point starting to take off. And I was listening about two years back in time to the beginning of the show. And it made me, I was listening and I'm like, well, these people aren't any smarter than I am. Why are they able to succeed? And I'm sitting here slugging it out in a job that I absolutely, at that point in time, hated. Um, I had always been the company man. I was always the one that loved the company. And that started to change as I left the company that I was with went to another one, went to another one, and went to my final company. And I just absolutely despised the company and the people that I was working with. And I started listening to this podcast and I call it now entrepreneurial brainwashing. But I was just like, I'm just gonna listen to this. And I had to commute between Austin and Dallas once a week. And so I would listen to the podcast at double speed on the way up and double speed on the way back. So I was listening to like eight podcasts in a four hour trip, Uh, you know, and then four hours back, I would listen to eight podcasts. It was like 16 entrepreneurial brainwashings at fast speed, uh, listening to all these people. And I was like, you know what, I I can do that too. And that was what kind of sparked me to say, okay, what am I going to do? How am I going to get out of here? What am I going to do? and that led to, you know, it led to the beginnings of my Freedom Day. It took another ten years to do it, but it was the beginnings of my Freedom Day. Wow, there's a lot to unpack here, so i I want to get into the Freedom Day because now
0: it's come up a yep. couple of times. I want you to explain what that is, but I got to ask, what was the job that you hated
1: so much? What were you doing? Well, I was working for a registered investment advisory firm, and it was a it was a regional registered investment advisory firm, pretty decent size. But it was just, I I had been brought in to do one thing. And then after a year of me working my ass off to do this, taking a pay cut to come in and do all this, like Christmas of that year, they were like, no, we're not going to do that anymore. And just for, you know, just for grins, because we were having so many new clients come in, we're only going to work with people that are a million dollars and above. And I'm like, I don't want to just work with people that are a million dollars. Right. I want to work with I want to be able to work with a a, a swath of people and and one of my skill sets and and it's continued to be is working with business owners that are getting kind of like mid mid-tier business owners they've they got out of the startup phase they're still small businesses but they're successful and they're doing well they're horrible wealth management clients cuz they have no money it's all tied in their business yep but You know, or real estate investors. All the money's tied up in real estate, so there's nothing I can manage as a wealth manager. You know, and so now all of a sudden I'm like, well, I'm working with people that have a net worth of a million dollars, but they don't necessarily have it all sitting in cash or in an investment. Uh, So that was kind of the the final straw. Uh, The real final straw was my uh, my final review that I've ever had. Got the worst review I've ever had. I like I said, I've always been the company man. I'm I'm for the company before myself. And to have somebody who I do not respect tell me, you, you know, you you just did a horrible job all year long. You didn't do what we wanted you to do. My boss left the room and the the president of the company was sitting there and he looked at me in the face and said, You are the worst employee we've ever had. Oh my gosh. <laughs> You're just too independent. You just go and do things without asking permission, you know, and you don't just follow the company line. And I was like, kind of hired me to do that, but all right, whatever. And that, from that point on, it was like, okay, I'm done. Three months later, I literally burned the ships at the shore, quit my job. I started two businesses at the same time. Please don't ever do that for those of you that are listening to this. It was the dumbest idea ever, but I started a co-working space. So that was, I was already in the process of doing that. So I started a co-working space and then me leaving there, I I couldn't stay in the financial services industry working for somebody else. I had to work for myself because they wouldn't have allowed me. They had to approve outside business activities and, and I couldn't have done that. So I I left, I pretty much didn't have any clients that I took with me, and I started a new practice again and started my co-working spaces, which we just celebrated our seventh anniversary. Um, And I celebrated- Congrats. Last year, celebrated the sixth anniversary of the wealth management practice that I created by selling my, my portion of that out and starting a new practice all over again under the Freedom Day brand. Oh, man. Okay. So that's what we call when you got the feedback from your boss. That's what we call unemployable, Jeff. You're unemployable. No, I'm going to use my- You have to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, I'm going to use the term that one of my very, very close friends uses. I'm genetically unemployable. Genetically unemployable. Okay. After 20 years, you got that. You got it figured out. I figured it out. Yeah. (laughs) I was
0: going to ask if you were still doing the wealth management stuff, but it sounds like you are. It's just- in a I different guess a way. New new, yeah, a new, not new just umbrella as
1: the, you know, bring your assets to me and I'm gonna manage that. I, I really focus now on I still manage wealth for people. A lot of times it's because you know they've got that on the side and they're also, you know, they they need that managed, they need those assets managed, but I'm also working with them on real estate, I'm working with them on. Uh, some really innovative insurance strategies that we use. Um, I'm I'm a big proponent of cash flow and as much as possible tax-free cash flow, or uh, massively tax-advantaged cash flow from the real estate perspective.
0: Okay, let's let's get into all of this
1: investing in the
0: strategies. Yeah. So, Freedom Day, what's that?
1: Well, Freedom Day. So uh, I guess it was probably about twenty. 2016 started working with clients and i was seeing this this disconnect with my clients so we would talk about retirement and you know there was two really distinct groups so let's say let's say the cutoff lines about age 50 here so people after age 50 you would talk about retirement and they're like you know i i followed the rules i did everything i was supposed to but you know, I've only got a couple hundred thousand dollars at this point, and I've got only about fifteen years until the end. And there is no way in hell I no, can save work. work to do that. And you come to the reality of okay, well, let's talk cash flow. If we're talking cash flow from the standpoint of the investment industry, you can take at the most five percent out of your portfolio per year, assuming you're going to increase that over time. And you know, that five percent, that's your cash flow in retirement. So let's say I was making a hundred thousand dollars a year. Let's do the math. That's two million dollars. I've got you know two hundred and fifty thousand dollars right now. There's no way in hell I'm gonna make it. It's just not mm-hmm. it's not possible for me to save enough. And that's the part that pisses people off because they're like, this is all rigged, it's all BS. Well, no, you need to start thinking about cash flow. You need to start looking at cash flow first and stop looking at that big number and stop saying, well, I'm only going to be able to get, you know, and the only safe investments are going to be like sub 10%. And I talked to people today and I'm like, some of the least risky investments I have are like in the 20, 25%, you know, in real estate. And and some of the stuff that I do on the insurance side, you know, it's, those are, those are like incredibly safe, very little market risk, very little economic risk, anything like that. And they're in the like 20, 25% range. Yet I'm sitting here slugging it out. If I'm in a, in a balanced portfolio or a, you know, a, a, a diversified portfolio, I'm slugging it out, hoping to get Maybe eight, eight and a half percent. well, the math just don't work. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that it pisses people off. Well, so that was one group. The other group was younger people. And they'd been grown I always called it, there was a there was a point in time that life changed, and it was right around two thousand and seven when the four hour workweek came in. Now, there had been those concepts before of kind of this early retirement, whatever. But it wasn't until Tim Ferriss wrote that book, and I I read it myself at the time, literally as soon as it came out, I read the book. And I have religiously read that book every year, three to four times per year. I go back, wow. I have this torn apart, horrible, marked up copy of it. And I go back and I find new stuff every year. And I, I mean, he hasn't done an updated version since like 2010. So I've got that most recent version. And I've just, you know, torn it to shreds over the years. And a lot of the stuff in there is kind of old school and it's changed, but the concepts were good. And what I started to realize was I got to do something different. You know, I've got to do something different about what I'm doing. And this in my own life, I'm like, I can't keep going down the same path because if I go down the same path, I'm going to be those pissed off people too. And what I was seeing with my younger clients was they came in that post that post world of, well, crap, man, I, I, I don't want this life. I don't want that 40 year, you know, black socks life. I want, I want to have that life where I can go anywhere in the world and travel and all that. And some people it's not, they don't want to, you know, do a Tim Ferriss and just, you know, spend 365 days a year overseas doing all kinds of stuff and all that. They're just happy with, I don't want to have that monkey on my back of I've got to get up and go to work every day. So I started having these conversations with people that, you know, I would talk to them and they would say, well, you know, I'm never going to make it. I'm never going to be able to retire. And I could look at the numbers and I'm like, well, you're there, you know, you're, you're pretty much there. We just need to kind of shift a little bit on where you're going to get that money from or how you're going to generate your cash flow. And you're at your freedom day. And the day that I said this to a client and they smiled, they came from this, like, oh my God, I'm just, you know, the weight of the world's on my shoulders. I'm never going to be able to retire. It's awful and all this. And I pointed to them and showed them, okay, this is how you're going to get there. The smile came on their face. And so I was like, eh, that's interesting. And I kind of put it in the back of my head. And a couple times later, I'd said that to people and I, I would just see their, demeanor change. Because when you talk about retirement, it is this time-based thing. So if I'm 25 years old today and I start talking to you about retirement, what are you thinking about? Crap, I got to work 40 some odd years to get to that point. And I want to do all this stuff that Tim Ferriss and all those other people are talking about now. I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait for be like my parents and do you know wait until I'm 65 and then I'm going to get to live my life and all that I want to do that now and that was a generational shift and I think more and more people you know more and more people my age are sitting there going I kind of I don't want to wait around another 10 or 15 years I want to I want to make it happen now and the thing about freedom day was the thing that they understood was retirement, this fixed thing down the road, I have to wait until X years. Freedom day, I kind of get to control when that happens. And as soon as I started doing that, it changed my life. I mean, it changed my life as I started to realize it myself. And I'd been the, the guinea pig over the last you know, 10 years. I basically was the guinea pig for all this, good and bad. I did a lot of stupid stuff that got me to this point. But then I reached this, you know, I reached in the end a realization that if you just followed a few principles that I did, you you're gonna be there too. and, and you can typically do it in 10 years or less. So even if you're in your mid50s today, you're gonna be able to do it. you're never gonna you're not going to get to that point where you can't do it. Uh, or you can't retire. you have to work for the rest of your life. And if you're younger, man, you put these principles into place, you're going to live a totally different life from everybody else.
0: I have, this, I have a thought that's coming into my mind right now, Jeff, and it's, it's controversial. So I'm very curious what you think about this. But, you know, I've, I've heard and I actually believe that investing in tax benefit retirement plans, like your 401k, yep. Yep. your IRA, actually slows down your retirement. And the reason I say that is because you can't access it. Now, mm-hmm. if you could buy cash flowing properties, cash flowing assets, and you can generate more passive income than you have expenses, that's your freedom day, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. That's your retirement, right? That's your financial freedom when you have more income than expenses. That's perfect. And by investing it in something that you cannot use to generate cash flow can literally slow your retirement down. Super controversial because we're told to invest in your 401k, invest in your IRA. And I'm not saying don't do that. I actually no, I think both. I think
1: you should. I mean, but it's part of the picture. You know, and, and for people that know about real estate, they don't take money to make money in real estate. I mean, right. how did I start in real estate? I started in real estate wholesaling property. Still do it to this day. I've got a whole operation in my company that just were great marketers and we find properties and we find properties we match the deals up with an investor and we go and it's it's a total cash flow machine for my business i mean i support a team of four people and still make a crap ton of money every month just off the wholesale operation alone and we'll never change that because there's always going to be opportunities to find wholesale properties so it took to get started in that business. I started doing it on my own. I started cash flowing it to where I could then take that and, you know, take some of the profit from every sale that we made or every, you know, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's a sale. I consider it's a sale. It's actually just Mm. an assignment and we get to keep a little finder's fee. But, you know, I mean, I target a minimum deal of 10 grand for myself. You know, so, okay, I do a couple of those deals a month. We don't have to do a lot to do right. really well. And that cash flows the rest of the operation. It cash flows a lot of the stuff that we do from that perspective. And it doesn't take any money to get started doing that. I mean, you can still do nothing down techniques. There's okay, so let's talk. It.
0: I want to talk about this, Jeff. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I got to, I got to ask yes. this. So this is what I think we need to learn from someone like you. Yeah. So wholesale, I understand the wholesale. So everything you're doing is contract assignments. Yep. Sounds like. So you're working directly with homeowners. Hmm. Okay. How do you find them? Tell us how you are so good at finding these deals
1: specifically, what? like what's the strategy? So I found some guys, uh, there's a group of guys out in Arizona. At the, their site is all in, uh, all in nation. And I had actually heard them on a real estate I I was part of a coaching program and I had these guys came in and they were just kind of a featured presenter during this coaching program and they, you know, I had done wholesale before and it was this kind of disjointed weird thing, you know, going and driving around neighborhoods and all that. Mm -hmm. And they had a course and I'm like, it was like 500 bucks. And I was like, I don't know, this sounds like they've got a pretty good system and their system is awesome. Because it was like, okay, do this, 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 and this. And it's a marketing system to do it. And it takes a little bit of money to do it. But so sure. let's assume you have no money to start. Okay, well, you may have to go out there and hustle a little bit, find a couple deals to close. But then it was like, okay, now I've got this money. I can start to actually do a multitude of different ways to find these property owners. So. I've got a, you know, we pull lists. I've got a cold call team that I hired, that just makes straight up cold calls. And I mean, I don't make them. I'm not going to do that anymore. And in, in my life, we've got Google Ads. We've got, you know, we do direct mail. So it's a whole bunch of things. And all it, you know, I might spend two or three thousand dollars a month, but I can close three, four, five deals in a month. So I'm like, I, have, it's infinitely. you know, it's an, it's a never ending cycle because I, you know, I, I put a dollar in and I get five to $6 out. I mean, all I, all I have to do is Spend more money on the front end to get to the back end, you know, but it takes, you've got to understand how to do it and you've got to have a system to doing it. So I just Google all in nation and you'll find it. And those guys, Sal and, and the team are just awesome people. They're a little kind of, You'll get when you go through the training, it's a little kind of rogue culture, a little bit too much, I think. You know, where they're all, you know, beating their chests and banging bells and stuff like this. And I'm like, that's not my team. I mean, my team are I've got three women that work for me and one guy. And, you know, I mean, we're not sitting here bumping our chests. We just close business and we we fix problems for people, you know, and that's that's the thing that in my heart, I mean, there's people that are and, and this is getting way, way worse. There are people that are hurting right now and they're stuck. You know, they bought houses way overpriced. Those prices are starting to pull back down. You know, people bought houses a couple of years or, you know, last year that are, you know, seven, 8% mortgages thinking, oh, well, I'll just do this. And then the mortgage rates will come down and they ain't coming down anytime soon. And unfortunately, the prices of real estate haven't come down either. So they paid too much and they're mortgaged too much in a lot of cases. And everything else going up is hurting them. So, you know, we're trying to help fix problems. And and in some cases, it's people that have a house that's kind of an ugly, ugly duckling and they can't sell it in this market, you know, but an investor is willing to come in and drop some cash in it. So we just have to find them and we work all over the country. So I'm not just in my little market. I mean, I've got the entire country that I can work in so I can spend the money to do that. Let me know
0: if you find any in Colorado.
1: That's (laughs) good. The
0: Real Estate Educators Podcast is brought to you by Pine Financial Group. Pine Financial Group is a private lender specializing in value-add bridge lending for real estate investors. This is accomplished by raising private money from individual investors and lending that money out in short-term real estate loans. Pine operates one of the coolest public mortgage funds on the market because it brings consistency and security to your investment portfolio without giving up on returns. The fund pays its investors a flat 8% return with monthly distributions. There is a low minimum investment and no lockup period. That's right, you can request all of your money back at any time without any fees. Diversify your portfolio out of Wall Street and into Main Street with the Pine Financial Group Public Fund, PFG Fund Five. Find out more at pinefinancialgroup.com. That's pinefinancialgroup.com. All right, let's talk about midterm rentals. Yep. What is it and why is it better than maybe a long-term or a short-term? So why is it, why is this the niche that you that
1: you chose? So this was one of those things. I, I had traditionally done long-term. I looked at short-term rentals and that just doesn't fit my personality. I don't want that constant churn. It's it's a lot of work to manage those. And I wanted to be able to scale this up. And by my nature, I'm lazy. So I want to do the least amount of work and make the most amount of return I possibly can. And, you know, once again, I think if you're going to be in real estate investing, you need to absorb tons of information. You know, if you've got a spare few moments and the option is I'm going to sit there and watch something horribly stupid on TV or I can listen to a podcast or something like that. Well, this all came about I was listening to Bigger Pockets their podcast one day and there was an army officer on there and he was he was talking about, you know, he had been kind of doing house hacking and then got into long-term rentals and I'm like, okay, well, I'm I've been married and I'm not doing a house hack. That sucks. And he said something at the very end, and I had also been listening to another podcast where they were talking about they were talking about master leases. And I was like, okay, well, that's kind of cool, you know, where you come in, you work, and they the people that I was listening to they were doing this with short term rentals in Colorado. And I was like, well, I don't really want to do that. I don't want to basically be a property manager but i like the concept of master leases finding that guy who's got one or two properties that he's tired of cleaning toilets he's tired of doing all this stuff and looking at ways for me to be able to step in help him out i'll run the property i'll find renters maybe we do a short term strategy and you know we can make more with that short term strategy okay we make enough for me to pay you the mortgage you want and or you know, pay you what you want as rent, and then I can keep the rest. So I like that idea, but I was like, I really don't want to get into short terms. And then I hear this officer talking about, he said, Well, my wife's a, a, a traveling nurse, and we're looking at doing midterms. And I was like, eh? What's that?
0: What's this? Yeah. So I
1: started going down the the rabbit hole of midterms and traveling nurses and doing some research around where areas were, were, you know, there were a lot of traveling nurse jobs and all of a sudden the light bulb went off. And I was like, okay, so traveling nurse, this is kind of a cool idea. And mid these these master leases, I don't even have to own property. I'm about cash flow, dude. I don't want to own property. I want somebody else to pay for the air conditioner when it breaks, but I want to be in there and I can kind of control this. So that's what we did to get started. So it took me zero dollars. The only dollars I had to pay for was to furnish the place. You know, and so we, I typically where most of our our midterm rentals are, and that we work with traveling nurses, they're in a big city. We have, you know, basically when we went into an Ikea, we came up with a specific package of furniture that would furnish a three bedroom house at that point and i just basically have it saved on my ikea thing and when we buy one of these houses i go click and it's all ready boom and they talk deliver about it a to system jeez that's... yeah they deliver it to the house i hire a team cuz most of these are not here in austin it's too expensive but yeah we'll click the button boom the stuff shows up on a specific day. I've got a team on the ground with my, you know, that my, uh, property manager puts together, they come in, unbox everything, get it all set up. We're online. You know, I have a professional photographer come in, take photos of the place. We throw it up onto furnished finder and Airbnb, you know, and on Airbnb, we limit it to, it's gotta be 30 days or longer rental. Well, traveling nurses work 13-week contracts. They get paid a a tax-free stipend that, you know, typically we can get anywhere from 150% to 200% of the market rent that I know is locked in for 13 weeks. Most times they will stay a second 13-week cycle. Maybe they'll have like a week off or something like that. They'll do a second 13-week cycle in the same house at that point. And we just keep that going over and over and over again.
0: It's like if you do two 13-week cycles, you're like you're kind of getting the place for free for the half the year. It's all profit. And so that's all yeah. profit. It's all profit
1: ever. for the second half of the year in that's those cases. So I mean, we it's it's at the very least, it's pretty much break-even, or we're making a profit, you know, and we're making enough of a profit. That you know, I can pay for that furniture that I bought. So typically by year end, I've already paid for the furniture. I've depre- you know, my other company that owns the furniture, you know, is depreciating that furniture down over a five-year period of time. So I'm getting the depreciation costs inside of my company. You know, so the rent that I'm paying to myself or you know the rental of the furniture that my other company is paying or the property llc is paying is you know it's basically tax-free to my company because i'm depreciating it down over a five-year period.
0: you so ever do like um i want to know how long are your terms are how long are your terms for the master lease
1: so typically we'll do like a two-year so two-year okay i'm doing right now if i don't know the market i'll just do a one-year master lease, because, you know, I mean, I know I can cash flow, I can get somebody in there. If the traveling nurse thing isn't working, I know I can get a long-term renter in there for a year. And then when it rolls around, I'll go month to month. And if I don't want to be in that market anymore, I can basically just give up the lease and I'm done. You know, and there's two different ways you can work a master lease. You can do it as, hey, here's, you know, here's our, what you want on a month to month, you know, on a monthly basis. Okay, fine. I'm good with that. I know I can cover that out of cash flow if I need to. Or you can do what's called a performance one. So if we don't rent it, so let's say Christmas month, we're not, you know, it's not rented because we don't have a nurse in there. Okay, well, then you cover the mortgage that month and we split any other month, we split the profit at that point. And, really you know, and, and I might say, well, that profit is, you know, you, Mr. Owner, get. Seventy-five percent of the profit, or seventy percent of the profit, and I take thirty percent of the profit. At that point, I'm I'm okay with that because you're taking all the risk. I'm just, I'm just the, right. the finder. I'm the marketer and the finder in that case, and I'm the front end person that's going to be like, okay, if the toilet needs to be cleaned and all that, I got a management company doing all that for me.
0: Do you ever put an option? on these master leases where you can get have the right to buy the property haven't
1: yet I, I really haven't yet I mean we we're starting to kind of shift our focus slightly we're actually starting to buy properties now or we have been buying properties and the other piece of the pie is I'm actually bringing on partners so I have a I have a company in Florida that I work with that's I mean they're backed by Sumitomo so I, I trust them and they build brand new properties that are brand new to the rent properties. So build to rent. And, you know, I started looking at this as a strategy to say, Hey, I can bring a, par- a partner in, I don't have to even find the properties. All I have to do is say, guys, build a house for me. It can be a single duplex, quad, whatever we want to put in as an investment. I bring the partner in. They bring in the, the down payment and the credit. I pay for the legal and the furniture up front and I run the show. And our strategy is basically traveling nurse for three years, then we'll find someone that wants to do a lease option. And, you know, at that point they take on the risk. They're going to be, you know, doing the air conditioners if it breaks or fixing the property or whatever. And then in, in year five, hopefully. In an ideal situation, we've had enough appreciation that we'll sell the property. And then we'll 1035 that into two new properties and, and build the portfolio from there. Or the partner you know, wants their money back. So we, we split the profits and they get their money back. I get my money back. And I'm going to, at that point, take it and put it into a new property.
0: Got it. I, I've done a, a handful of these master leases, but my strategy wasn't midterm. It was definitely long term yeah but what the way I did it was one year term, okay, and I always tied an option to it because I, obviously my end goal was to acquire the property. This is how I did no money down. yeah, one year term, and it's gonna have nine additional one year terms that automatically renew unless I give notice. I like so that. that way I can get out of the market like you're describing.
1: So that's yeah. that's how I did it, but I like there's that. so many different strategies, right? Well, it is. And you know, once again, it's, it's the thing about real estate is you've got to be creative, you know, and, and so many people get into, and I I would, I would talk about this in Austin all the time, you know, we're in a market in Austin, there's just tons of people moving here, Colorado, is very much the same, tons of people moving here. So the, the opportunities to do a lot of strategies like a burst strategy or something like that. There's just not the properties because mm-hmm. anything that's there is getting snatched up. And then you had all these Californians moving in that you know sold a shack in California for a million and a half, moved down here and find out they can buy a 5,000 square foot house for half the price. So they're paying cash and they're just paying stupid money for properties down here so that the market wasn't good. But then I'd have people well, I want to be a, you know, real estate investor. So I'm going to take part of my, you know, 401k plan and and put it into, you know, a property and I'm like, "Well, is it cash flowing?" Well, no. I mean, it's like negative cash flow right now, but it'll you know, appreciate. I'm just one rent raise, raise away and yeah. you know, it'll be so great and the property's going to appreciate cuz the market's going up 30%. And I'm like, yeah, until it doesn't. Which and is now. Well. Yeah, which is now because it ain't going up. I mean, if anything here, it's about flat. But I mean, it's come back. I mean, I know my own personal house. I'm like, from what it was on Zillow two years ago to where it is today, which is what I think the house is worth, it's probably more accurate. I mean, it was $200,000 more two years ago. That's insane. Why would I, Mm -hmm. you know, one, it wasn't sustainable and now it's come back. But there were a lot of dumb people that paid that extra $200,000 price two years ago that now are like, crap, if I have to get out of this, I'm under, I'm underwater and this ain't going to work. You know, so hopefully I don't lose a job in that time period. So, you know, when I would talk to these people, it's like, well, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm one rent ways away. And I was like, yeah, but you're also one, uh, you know, Texas pays the highest in, or the highest real estate taxes in the entire country. So you're only one tax raise away from being deeper underwater with your, with your rental property. So stop. And I mean, I own probably 30 properties that I've never set foot in once. That's awesome. I buy them, I buy them at a distance. I've got a great team that manages. In the market they they manage the i mean they put together the financing part, they put together the management piece of it. It's turnkey, and I don't have to go there now. I'm like they're in Florida, in Jacksonville, largely maybe in the wintertime when it gets cold yeah, here, maybe that wouldn't be a bad place to. Catch a little tax deduction. Where, yeah, yeah. And catch one of those, like right when there's not a, a nurse in there where we just slide in for a month or so and yeah, in February and hang out. And I'm work. just
0: checking on the properties. I mean, I gotta do a trip. property
1: review. I mean, and I should at some that's point right. there. So I mean that's that's kind of the, the thought process. And you know our scalability was was starting to find partners that wanted to work with us that didn't want to do all the work. They they truly wanted passive income. And we provide that, and like I said, I've got a never-ending cycle of these because the team that I work with—they're just—they're building nonstop, you know. And they—they they build great properties. They're building under new Florida standards, which are—you know—you have to build the property 13 feet, 13 to 14 feet above sea level. Uh, there can be no new property built in Florida below 14 feet. And they're built with new hurricane standards and everything else. So our insurance is not as high. We can actually get insured there. And they're great. They're houses that are built specifically as rental houses. So, you know, they're not going to have the fancy schmancy everything because people are going to destroy it over time.
0: All right. Well, let's get into your conversation you had last night with one of your heroes. (laughs) I want to hear about your book. I want to hear about the the three the two day event that you went to, and then the conversation yeah. you had last night.
1: So I uh, I've been working on for the last you know I I think you know four years ago I started talking about Freedom Day. Hadn't experienced it myself until last year. I had experienced my time freedom. So I identify three freedoms now. So the first freedom is is freedom of time which theoretically i had when i left my job and i became my own boss effectively however this is what i come to with a lot of my own or my my people that i work with that are business owners i built like the most beautiful prison that i ever had with the worst warden that i had ever you know with the worst warden or boss that i'd ever had which was me you know Prior to COVID, I was working 70, 80 hour work weeks, I was developing all these different businesses and they were cash flowing and I was making good money, but I was spending 70 or 80 hours a week. Well, COVID hit and all of that slowed down. So I'm not going to networking events. I'm not going out and meeting clients. We were doing everything via Zoom. You know, my real estate stuff was, you know, it was fine because my people paid. Uh, instead of a lot of peoples that didn't pay, you know, and so the traveling nurse thing they were you know they had to travel. they wanted a, a nice, quiet place where they were away from people when it was not at work, and they get paid. so you know everything was good for me, and then my co-working spaces, well, of course, nobody was coming in, but we had to be open to do uh, mail for people. so my wife and I, you know we had to lay off our entire workforce. And it's her and I running the space. But then we realized we only needed to work from like nine to four every day. Well, all of a sudden I discovered I had a life outside of work. And I'm like, crap, this is awesome. So I got now my time freedom. A few years later, I sold my interest in the financial practice, got my financial freedom. And the weekend that all of that happened, when my partner came to me and said, you suck, I want you out of the business. I spent a week in California at an event where I was just by myself, and I discovered the bucket list. And all of a sudden, I discovered what I call freedom of intention, being more intentional about life. And so I had those three freedoms. That said, at that point in time, it was when I started to coalesce all this stuff together into what I call the freedom day method eight step process to help you go from I'm an employee to your Freedom Day. And so I put that all together, put it into a book, was doing all this. And one of my heroes in the financial industry and and also the real estate industry is Robert Allen. And Bob put together an event. He does this ever so often during the year, he put together this event called the Best Selling Author Summit. And I'm like, well, I've got the book pretty much done, got the title, got the cover. Everything's good. I'm going to just go to this. And there was an opportunity to sign up for his VIP program, which was $97. And I'm like, hell, that's worth it. Just to just to be able to interact with some of the other people. And Bob Allen personally, I don't know him personally. And so get on the call, do the two day summit, get on the call last night with Bob. And here's my hero. And I'm so proud of myself. And I'm like, okay, you know, here's the title of my book. And he goes, all right, so everybody on the call, if you like the title, put up a one hand, everybody else put up a two fingers. And the entire crowd goes like that. And I'm like, he, he held up
0: a two. He held up a yeah. two.
1: And no, and Bob didn't. Bob's much more direct than that. He's like, well, so what they're telling you is your book title is crap and you need to figure out it's too generic. Nobody understands what you're saying. And it was, you know, I mean, you kind of are like, okay, I have to keep a straight face at this point and not run away screaming. But they were right. Because my title, the the book category, what's in the book is going to help people get there, but the title is never going to sell anything. And you've got to have, you got to be able to go, all right, let's have a little humility. And and I had humility and, you know, I participated in the rest of the call. And I went back that night and. I was like, you know what? He's right. They're right. I'm going to be part of his accelerator program, working with him for 13 weeks, and we're going to get this right. And we're going to get it right so that the book is there to help people and sell, sell more books to help more people at that point. And so, you know, you got to have some humility with this stuff. I mean, I've been developing this Freedom Day brand for you know, going on four years now, and I'm not willing to give that up. I mean, I've got a podcast, I've got a YouTube channel, um, you know, I've got websites and everything else that are under the Freedom Day brand. So that ain't going away. But the title of this one piece of my content is going to have to change. And it makes sense why I would want to do it. What was the title? The title was Freedom Day, Live the Life or Quit the Job You Hate, Live the Life You Love. So if you know Jeff, Freedom... I thought I think it's pretty good. I'm surprised well, you got such here, but here's the strong thing feedback. if you know what Freedom Day is, which all the people in my I world see. have been okay. telling me, oh, this is great and all this. Well, yeah, because you listen to my podcast, you watch my YouTube channel and all that. But for somebody outside of that, it ain't gonna work. They're not gonna, they're not, it's not gonna interest them. So I'm toying around with some ideas that are a little bit more in your face about what I've been talking about on here, which is, you know what, you've got to make, you know, one, the retirement industry is broken. And if you follow that, you know, if you follow the logic of the financial industry, you're not going to make it. so it's going to be around something more in your face like that, of you know, retirement is broken, the freedom day method can help you out or something along those lines. So
0: YouTube and your podcast, and now you you're an author. I'm assuming yep. you do some speaking when you get the opportunity.
1: I do. I've not done as much lately. I do a lot of podcasts. It helps me get my message out. But you know, I mean, it's it's I, I'll speak when I when I can. I personally am kind of at the point now in my life where I'm like, I have all the money that I really wanted to have. I, you know, going back to my I got into the financial industry in 1994 and set a goal that I was going to be, that I was going to be retired by 55. You know, last year I, I got my freedom day, July 1st, 2022 was my freedom day. That was the day that I sold my business to my business partner, or we at least agreed the money came later, but we at least agreed on the sale of the business and i founded freedom day at that point on july 1st 2022 and that was my fifty-fifth year on this planet was here here you are 2022 (laughs) it's intentional right you (laughs) made it happen it's 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 a god year well and and i'll I'll tell one little other story because i think it's funny i told you about the freedom of intention so when i went to this event one of the big things that i do differently with with what I teach in the Freedom Day method, step two in the process is to create a bucket. list. Well, it was the last thing that I came to as I was putting all this together, but it's the second thing that I have people do. And it's because most, you know, what is retirement? Well, retirement is, hey, you got to work for 40 years. And this is, you know, this thing is out there where you get to do what you want to do. Well, it's hard to stay motivated for 40 straight years. I mean, life happens in that time period. But if I build a bucket list, which when I was in Ojai, California, at the Ojai Valley, and beautiful place, would never spend the money to be, go there on my own. But it was a gorgeous place. I was there all by myself in a room. I hold myself up the whole time, and I was given a bucket list journal. We had a guy at the event, Ben Nemeton. If you just Google him, he is the bucket list guy. He did a, a MTV show with a bunch of friends of his. Called the the buried life and it I actually watched I binge watched the entire buried life while I was there and I wrote a 100 item bucket list in Ben's journal right 100 things 10 different categories 10 different things in each category and number 23 on my list was I want to have a private concert with the Eagles my favorite band of all time I want to have a, now they' are dying off left and right, so I'm like, i want to have it's, there's not much time left on this, but I said, I want to have a private concert with the Eagles. so I go to dinner that night. they have this amazing event where it's they call it sense, so it's like sense of sounds, b you know, food, all this kind of stuff, taste, smell. it's in this beautiful garden, great food, music. They had kind of a crappy country band playing, and almost the end of the evening, they're like, all right, so now coming to the stage, Don Felder from the Eagles. And I'm like, you've got, come on, man. No way." The first thing that I ever checked off my bucket list was my private concert with the Eagles and my favorite Eagle of all time. Oh, damn. I'm getting that. chills. Yeah. It was, so I'm like, you got to put this stuff out to the universe. So that's one of the first things we do. And we teach people after they've created their budget, and figured out what they call what we call the MRI minimum required income we start having them do a bucket list and we have them pick three things you're going to start with three things that you can accomplish in the next 6 months put a price tag on them and when you when you do that the next step is what I call retraining your brain figure out some kind of little side hustle not anything long-term, you don't have to build a real estate portfolio, but figure out something short-term, you know, side hustle that will pay for those three things. Once you've done that, now your brain is retrained to go, oh, well, I'll put it on a credit card or, oh, I'll, Mm -hmm. you know, I can't afford it. I'll just have to save up for it. And now all of a sudden you go, okay, I want this. So I'm going to figure out what I need to do to do that.
0: Well, let's learn how to do that. So yeah. you promised me that you had like some free gift for anyone that's yeah. listening to the episode. So tell us about the gift and
1: how, how do we get it? So go to www.freedomdaymethod.com. And right in the middle of the page is what's called the Freedom Day Blueprint and it's going to walk you through the eight steps of the freedom day blueprint. Also, if you do that, the newly revised book, which will be over the next couple months newly revised, you'll be on my mailing list and for anybody that's done that, you know, you'll get a copy of the book for a very 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 low price. You know, you'll get a an electronic copy of the book and you'll get a an actual book. For a extremely low price just basically cover the cost of shipping but that first book will teach you the steps of the process and it'll get you started down the road right away
0: all right so we're going to put the website in the notes but for anyone in their car tell us again the website www.freedomdaymethod.com freedomdaymethod.com we could find you where Uh, YouTube
1: podcasts YouTube so my podcast is the Freedom Nation or freedomnationpodcast.com and then I also uh have the uh Freedom Day with Jeff Kickle on YouTube just search that and you'll find it
0: so Jeff what an amazing episode this was I'm so glad you came on I know we went all different directions talking about Long-term rentals, short-term rentals, terrible jobs and bosses and partners and titles, apparently. And then a, an amazing bucket list check. And you're off and running. So it was awesome. What man. an inspirational story. Thanks again so much for having or for coming on and I'm glad we had you. Any final
1: words? Anything you want to share? You know what? Your your freedom day is right at your it's it's right at your fingertips. All you got to do is just focus on, you know, go focus on a process of getting yourself to the point where, you know, I call your freedom day is 125% of your minimum required income. When you hit 125%, you're at your freedom day. That is your first work optional day. And it is the coolest day of your life yeah. because you wake up and you're like, I didn't have to go to work today. Now, if you want to go to work, that's awesome. You have no, no weight on your shoulders anymore. You don't worry about money. You're going to work because you love it. Now, if you are like I am, let's, let's say I was at this point with my final company that I had worked for, I would be a really bad employee at that point. I was already a pretty bad employee, but I would have been a really bad employee knowing that I didn't financially have to be here at that right. point. You know, and I wouldn't have had to go through the pain of, of 10 years of this but do it smart, do it the right way. You know, you can follow what I did. Any way you hear online, you know, podcast, online on the on YouTube, whatever, I share my story all the time. Just follow the steps and you're gonna get there.
0: Well, once again, Jeff, thank you so much for coming on. And for the listeners, the viewers, this is Kevin Amalsh signing off. We're gonna see you next week. Thanks again, Jeff. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. If you did, please be sure to follow and leave us a review. Oh yeah, and tell a friend.